Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another podcast number 104. We're live on YouTube and Periscope. I'm your host, Dale O'Donnell, and joined by Mike. We're going to go through last night's game against West Ham. I think United are just doing what's required right now and keeping that chasing pack in the top four away. Um, Mike, what did you make of the performance? wasn't much to make of, really. Um, it was a pretty dull game. West Ham didn't really attack until after United scored and they made a couple of changes, which I kind of half understand because... That's generally an approach that's worked well against United is to keep with low block, get men behind the ball and try and nick something on the break. But I do I, I do wonder, because United did look a bit leggy in parts, so West Ham could have gone for that a little bit more. But listen, we got a win. We didn't concede, which was nice. Um, and Craig Dawson very kindly scored for us, which I appreciate. I thought Mason Greenwood looked lively. He was unlucky not to get a goal, actually, yesterday. I thought Lucas Fabianski in goal for West Ham was... Excellent. And we, me and you were talking about that yesterday. We think he's a really good goalkeeper. Um, and it's incredible to think that a few years ago, Adrian was West Ham's first-choice goalkeeper. And that's one hell of an upgrade to go from Adrian to Fabianski. Uh, Luke Shaw was very, very good. That's almost not even news. Luke Shaw being very good at the moment. He's been the best left-back, certainly in the Premier League, for the last 12 months. Possibly arguably in Europe for, in that time as well, such as his level of consistency. Um, yeah, and the main thing is you've got to win. It, it, win it, it just puts a fair amount of daylight between us and fifth place, which I think United needs to do. Takes a little bit of the pressure off. And I think that might actually help this United team at the moment to take a bit of the pressure off, especially as you've got a few injuries right now. I mean, I'm not even convinced, Dale, that Marcus Rashford was 100% yesterday. Didn't look it to me. No, he, he definitely wasn't 100%. And I don't think he's been 100% for a while, Mike, to be honest. I think he, we've seen a lot of performances like that from Rashford. And it's more so kind of dependent on him providing that individual brilliance. Like going into the game yesterday, he was a doubt. And Soldier had didn't have many options to pick from. People were saying that maybe Ahmad Diallo would have to start. And 
clearly Solskjaer doesn't want to be kind of throwing him in just yet. And maybe that was why he brought Rashford back. And I think Rashford, with the ankle injury that he picked up last week, I was hoping that he might get maybe one or two games off um, because he has been nursing that shoulder pro- problem. And there's talk now that his surgery will be delayed till after the Euros. Now, that's not, good thing. that's not a good thing for United because that means he's going to miss the starter probably next season. Um, but but yeah, just just on West Ham's performance, Mike. I kind of we spoke a bit about them a couple of weeks ago. Um, because after the game against United and Liverpool before last night, they they played very defensively, and this is a team now that's kind of pushing on and maybe challenging for the top four. They're not going to get it if they go into big games like that. And Gary never kept touching on in commentary yesterday about the players they had in the bench, Benarama. And I got a couple of others, really talented Jared players. Jared Bowen as well was on the bench, who caused yeah. United all kinds of problems in the league game earlier in the season. Yeah, so we call this game the David Moyes Derby. It was very much painted by David Moyes yesterday in the way he set up. And at half time, I know people were kind of frustrated. Um, United fans were frustrated that we didn't manage to break down West Ham yet. But but I, my thought was that I'm, I'm delighted I'm not watching David Moyes football anymore. Which is weird because they haven't been like that in a lot of games this season. Against City, they did try and be a little bit more aggressive yeah. and, and get in their faces a bit more. I think we both watched that game, actually. I was impressed with them in that game. And I thought, oh, you know, maybe they, they are being a bit braver in some of these big matches. When they played us early in the season, they were the best team pretty much until Pogba scored that ludicrous strike. They, they were they were much better than United. They could have been two or three goals up. So I was very disappointed actually in 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 David Moyes to go and, and set up a game like that in a game that I think that United team was our, our team was there for the taking yesterday Dale I think if a, a good team had gone and really pressed the issue they could have beaten us yesterday but they never did and um, it just allowed United to kind of settle into the game a little bit more see more of the ball and you know settle maybe a few nerves because I mean Bruno Fernandes didn't do a huge amount in that game because he didn't really get a lot of space. West Ham, obviously, they had the three in the midfield, Noble, Rice and, and Suchek. Um, and it really just... And obviously, then the guys at the back, it just really stopped them having any space. And they almost beat themselves, really. I'm going to slightly disagree because I think Bruno was really, really good when he got the ball. I thought he's passing at times. He was finding passes in the final third. Even in the first half, and we weren't managing to break down... West Ham, some of his phases of play um, were really, really good. And I think what the problem was is, again, we kind of touched on this before, when you start with Fred and McTominay, it takes a bit out of Bruno's game because he's going to be man-marked by set two or three players in the opposition. But I thought at times he did really, really well. Um, you, you mentioned Mason Greenwood. Didn't get his goal yesterday, came close once or twice. But if you look at his all-round performance... From a centre forward, he did everything you want. He comes deep. He never looks like he has to kind of struggle when he when he, when he gets position. He has pace. He knows how to get the ball out wide and he gets into those good positions. His performance yesterday, I know he didn't score, but if we see more of that, I'm sure Mason Greenwood will score. Um, and I've no doubt in my mind that he should be starting in that role if we haven't got Cavani. I think he should be starting in that role. I don't know how reliable Cavani is in terms of his fitness style, so I think he, he should be maybe looked at as as um, as the default number nine right now, actually, I think Greenwood. And then maybe we can review things in the summer and and look at maybe about 
getting a another centre forward in. I'm going to throw a, a question into the mix from Dylan Donnelly again, a writer from Strategy News. He gets in touch and morning, gents. Henderson has 11 clean sheets in 17 games this season with Daniel or David De Gea back now. Do you think we he should keep his place going forward? Well, it's an interesting question and a t- timely one as well because during the week, of course, Dean Henderson made a mistake against. AC Milan. I was very, very keen to see how he'd respond to that. Now, he wasn't overworked yesterday, but I will say one thing, Mike. I do feel the defence looks more assertive with Dean Henderson back there. I'm not talking about an individual goalkeeper's performance, but from what I've seen in, in the last few months, when Henderson has started, we've defended a bit better. I think he's better. He's not amazing with the ball at his feet, but he's certainly better than De Gea. Um, oh, another thing with Anderson, and I knew I saw this at Sheffield United last season. His distribution out from throwing is very, very good. We've seen that a few times now with Henderson when he gets the ball out, and it's um, it's a testament to his vision. Actually, it's almost like the vision of an outfield player, like a midfielder. He's get the ball, and he's instantly able to see someone making a run, and he makes those those massive throws out. Remember, Peter Schmeichel used to do these all the time and set off a counter attack. Of course, against City. It was his throw-out that really was the first wet move, uh, the first phase of a counter-attack that United, which we went and scored with Luke Shaw. So I've been vocal on this before. You need to give Dean Henderson minimum 10 games in a row. And you're right, the defence does look more assertive with him there because I think they feel like they can press a bit higher up the field. And I actually think um, what happened on Thursday... There's a bit of an aberration because Henderson's generally pretty good on crosses. So um, no one will be more annoyed about that than he was. You could see it when he walks off the pitch on Thursday. He was pretty annoyed of himself. You could see that. So, yeah, he wasn't overworked. But if you're going to be a goalkeeper for a club at this level, you're going to have long, long spells where you don't really have anything to do. And the key thing is about staying alert. I actually thought we learned a lot more in the Crystal Palace game where he had very little to do that game. And near the end... Crystal Palace had a really good chance and he stopped them He stopped them scoring. Well, you see, this is the thing about becoming a Manchester United goalkeeper. There's, there's, there's no one out there that we're going to sign that's not going to make a mistake. Um, and that mistake, and I re- really want to push on it because it's something that Henderson can build on. You know, it's inevitable they're going to make mistakes at times. And it's unfortunate that when it's a goalkeeper, it's magnified so much. It's costly because it costs us a goal. Um, but but I think to come back into the team yesterday again and get a clean sheet, you know, he, he probably deserves to start the next league game as well. I think De Gea would probably be coming against AC Milan. That wouldn't surprise me. He's back training with the team today. And, you know, Solskjaer's going to... He shouldn't play. He shouldn't play. He shouldn't, shouldn't play that game. Sh- no, no, no. De Gea should not be playing, no. No. No, he's not. He's not. Um, he doesn't deserve his spot right now. Um, can I just add something on that as well? Since probably you go back to um, but back to the seventies, really, when you look at Youngblood, who was the the, the Holland goalkeeper under the Renus Mitchell's team, there's been a development since then, especially since the elimination of the back pass rule, um, in which obviously it's forced goalkeepers to play with the ball at their feet a bit more. Is that a goalkeeper, it's not just about shot stopping. It's like, are they generally adding something? Do they fit with the way that your team plays? Which is a key a key thing. And you look at, say, Edison at Manchester City, who is arguably the best goalkeeper in the Premier League. He does make the odd mistake. But overall, 
he's an important part of how how they play. And if they just had, uh, you know, let's think of a, a, a decent like shot stopper, you know, someone someone like a, a Fabianski, for instance, they might who is very good, but they might not be as good because distribution, the way he gets higher up the pitch, and the way he allows the defense to play higher up the pitch. Manuel Neuer is another example at Bayern. He does make mistakes, Neuer, but generally he's worth the mistakes because of what he brings adds so much more than, than the mistakes take away. And I think that's something United have to weigh up. The, uh, uh, was it Richard Kahn a few weeks ago on Twitter who, who said, um, who was saying that basically that the defence is playing the way it is in part because De Gea's bottle has gone and they're dropping so deep. And you could see it. And I think, you know, some of Gary Neville's been saying a lot, some of Ole say he's wanted to see from the defence to beat, to push higher up the field and be more aggressive. And actually, United do look, like you said, not just more assertive, but more stable defensively as well. If you look at the Chelsea game, you look at the City game, played a much higher line. In fact, against Milan, the problem against Milan is we were dropping too deep in the end. We just dropped deeper and deeper and deeper in that, too deep in the game, and it cost us. Um Again, yesterday, United played a higher line. And generally, United play a higher line. I always feel more comfortable that we're going to get a clean sheet. When we drop too deep, that's when opposition teams start putting balls into the box, crosses, long balls, you know, winning set pieces. And listen, we know United are on those. I remember speaking to a journalist during the 2018 World Cup uh, when Spain was defensively, or Spain are all over the place, all over the pitch. Um, and a lot of the blame was kind of put on De Gea. And I remember him sp- telling me that from obviously speaking to some of the players that he didn't get there was much confidence from Gerard Piquet uh, and Sergio Ramos at that time in playing in front, front of De Gea. And that's a massive, massive problem. You know, if, you're, if your defenders aren't confident in the man behind them, um, that, that spell is danger. Now, I'm not saying that's the case at Manchester United because I don't know. I haven't spoken to, to the defenders in question, but... The point I'm making about De Gea is I'm starting to see that now. I'm starting yeah, to see... I think the thing with the Spain thing as well, just quickly, was was probably didn't help that he was taken over from Casillas, who's arguably one of the... Certainly one of the... I don't know about you. He's one of the best goalkeepers I've ever seen, Ike Casillas. Incredible reflexes. Dominated not just his area, but anywhere within 30 yards of his, bo- 30 yards of his goal. Not when a big was, guy for goalkeeper either. Um, when, and also, Spain's second-choice goalkeeper at that time was Victor Valdez. It was probably Casillas and Valdez were arguably the two best goalkeepers in the world. And they were both very proactive goalkeepers that almost played as sweepers, especially Valdez. And De Gea doesn't do that. De Gea's a very... He's kind of that old-school shot-stopper. He would have been great in the Premier League in the 90s, but at the moment, what you need from goalkeepers, he just doesn't... He doesn't, he doesn't command it, no. And listen, what we've seen since that World Cup is a continuation, really. No, absolutely. And it's just that we, since that World Cup, I think we've kind of been basing a lot of this on false hope that the goalkeeper De Gea was the best goalkeeper in the world. And it's kind of, if it, it, it does feel hard to detach ourselves from him as a result of that because he was the best in the world. But right now, it's coming to it's, I think it's coming to the end this time at Manchester United. There is some talk about him leaving in the summer. That wouldn't surprise me. Uh, and the, the big question now is whether Dean Henderson's good enough. So maybe you're right. Maybe it wouldn't be the game to play him in, in the Europa League Thursday night. But as far as I'm concerned, the league, 
we've got to see Henderson between now and the end of the season. He has yeah. to get that run. It's just an addition, uh, as a correction to myself on the last podcast, we brought up Donna Rummer, who's obviously the Milan goalkeeper. His contract does run out at the end of this season. Does that make you think a little differently about the, the links? Because when, when I first saw the links of Donna Rummer last week, I was scratching my head thinking, what a lot of rubbish, because we have Dean Henderson that we're unsure, we're unsure of. I don't mean that in a negative way, because we haven't seen him get her, that run in the team yet. And I'm just wondering, with a young goalkeeper, as talented as he is, he was one of the best goalkeepers in the league last season. Does he deserve a chance before we start dipping into the market and looking for Donnarumma? Or, because it is, it was a lot, there's still a lot of games to play. We're, our, our opinions are going to be... I think United need to be looking to move De Gea on in the summer. Especially, the, he's the highest, isn't he the highest paid player at the club? He's the no, highest he paid to... goalkeeper in the world. Yeah, I think he's the highest paid player at the club as well. I think he gets paid more than anybody else at the club. So United need to be need to get that anchor off their wage bill, frankly. He's, he's not the only one. There's a few others they need to get off their wage bill as well. They can't be having a... They, a, they can't have a second-choice goalkeeper who's the highest paid in the world. He's on, what, 350, 400 grand a week. But you also can't have a first-choice goalkeeper who, who's been making the mistakes he's been making for over two years now. You just cannot have that. And... Um, the way that I think United maybe want to play, he just doesn't. He just doesn't fit that at all. Or just the way that the top teams play now, he really just doesn't fit. And I think if Donnarumma is available on a free, United should be looking to sign him. At the end of the day, if Henderson ends up keeping his spot and keeping Donnarumma out of the team, what's the worst thing that happens? We make a handsome profit off selling Donnarumma who we signed on a free. Yeah, look, it's just dealing with the devil again, I guess, with me and Rayola. But, but for that AC Milan game, Soldier touched on it last night that we could have four or five players back. And it's a big week coming up for Manchester United. You know, we've got two cup games for the international break, which probably shouldn't be going ahead in the grand scheme of things. Um, ultimately, it's a huge week for Solskjaer. Mike, do you think he's going to survive the next round of questionings? Because these this next round of questioning is a pretty... Big, big time for his 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 um this stage of his Manchester United managerial career because we need a trophy this week. We could crash out of both trophies. We don't want to talk about that, but this could this could be a huge week for for Solskjaer. I don't know to be honest because every time I do think we're making a step forward, we then we then end up having a really bad week and things just seem back to where they were at the beginning. So I honestly don't know, and I'm not going to make any predictions on that. But yeah, it's it's a huge week. United need to go and win those next two games. They need to be looking, frankly, Dale. As I've said this repeatedly, United need to be looking to go and beat in all competitions between now and the end of the season, which seems like a tall order. But if you're a team that has designs of being one of the best in Europe, those are the kind of runs of form that you have to go on. Well, that's what Solskjaer spoke about when he first got the job, because when when he came in and. The, the attitude in the dressing room was down and he spoke about what's expected at Manchester United and how being second best isn't good enough and how we need to win in trophies and fighting on all fronts. Well, this is the time now where we go and do that and we start doing that. Uh, I, I do feel last season people talk about the semi-finals being a, being a hurdle that we couldn't jump. There is something psychological about this team right now that we can't get over that final hurdle. Uh, but I do feel a trophy would make a big, big difference to give him that taste of success because Gary Neville again touched on it in commentary last night. This United team, it, it, it needs a spark. Every every week we watch, it's very, very slow from the, from the beginning. 
and uh, it, it might take either conceding a goal or needing a goal late on for the engine to fully kick in. And that can't be the case if we're winning trophies because that hunger needs to be there from the beginning of the games. You watch, you watch City, a team that wins league titles now. From, from kickoff, teams are threatened. Teams are wondering when's this flurry of attacking football going to come their way because usually the other team don't get to see much of the ball. Um, but yeah, Manchester United have obviously there's a, lot, a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, I do wonder whether Solskjaer and this team this year will reach its ceiling. I, I, signings are needed. Signings are definitely needed. And if we don't make signings this summer, I fear that with the squad we have, even second would be difficult next season because I would expect one or two of those teams around us to improve as well, wouldn't you, Mike? Yeah, I mean Chelsea will certainly be will certainly start next season better than they started this season. I mean they've already improved since Tuchel's come in. I mean they just seem nigh on impregnable defensively. Um, I think I have a sneaky feeling that Tottenham may have a new manager next season. Um, and if that's a good manager, I think they can't be discounted. I also, despite what you said, I don't think Liverpool will be as bad next season as they were this season. You do have to take into account with Liverpool. Those injuries are bad. Van Dijk being out for the season is the equivalent if you took Bruno Fernandes out of the United team this season. United are in the top four without Bruno Fernandes. You know that as well as I do. They're lucky if they're top six, really. Um, and I also think you cannot... Klopp just doesn't seem quite infused at the moment, which I suppose is very understandable when his mum's died recently and he can't go home to say goodbye and go to the funeral because of the restrictions. And obviously there was the thing with Alisson as well, and his dad drowned. So I, I think generally that Liverpool dressing room, they're physically exhausted. I think emotionally they're a bit exhausted as well. I think if they refresh one or two players through the spine of the team next season, I think they'd be a lot better again. Um, and then I also think if they keep hold of their best players, I think Leicester City will be up and around, up and around those those top four spots again. Dale, I've no reason to see to to think why they wouldn't be. Look, Liverpool is going to be an interesting one. I don't think we need to make excuses for what we've seen from this season because and those two things, Klopp's mum and Alice's dad, two very sad situations, but they, they only happened recently. Um, that Liverpool team and I. I I honestly, I could see this happening from when they won the title because Klopp was kind of twitching at the idea that the board weren't going to back him. He said that he he doesn't make the signings, and he kept making that very clear. And and, and that that suggested to me a manager that knew there was some problems brewing. Now they're in a situation where some of their best players who have become used to winning league titles and challenging in Europe are looking around them saying, "Hey, it's not what I signed up for." And if they leave in the summer, it's even a bigger problem for, for Liverpool. And look, that's not for us to worry about, thankfully. I, I do think, again, that they're not they're not for us to worry about and w we should be aiming higher now. What we need to do is, is knocking, Liverpool, knocking City off first. They're the team that have been there or thereabouts for the last, what would you say, Mike, maybe six, seven years, maybe even more, you'd say. Um, so they are the team that we need to, to, to knock out of that place. Liverpool, they came and went. Um, and I and I don't think next season that they have the team to challenge for the title, challenge with City either. It's too Wait, much. See, work. You say came and went. They won the Champions League in the league. Oh, came, they, came, came, yeah, they came and they went. It, it, it's over now. They won't be winning the Champions League this season either. 
Um, we, we have we have another question sent in from Dave from the Facebook page. Is after joining us over on YouTube. Morning, gents. A hint today that Pogba may travel for the Milan game. Have we ever needed him more to bring something special to guarantee second and maybe just maybe a solid, solid, solid shot at the trophy? Um, yeah, look, to be honest, I really agree with that. That we there probably hasn't been a time that Manchester United have been crying out for Paul Pogba. I haven't forgotten either all the the the, the four or so years of of bad performances or below par performances. But before this recent injury, um, it's it's, it's hard to kind of really describe how much of an influence Pogba was because what he does in the pitch doesn't always get the recognition it deserves. And we've really seen it in recent weeks. I feel that without that quality from deep positions, Bruno hasn't been getting any service. And to have him back and would make Bruno more alight, it would make United a lot more threatening. Um, and we, Mike, Mike, we've discussed Pogba a lot. I'm not the most positive when it comes to him. He, he royals my blood. What are your thoughts on whether we miss him right now? We we missed the Pogba that was playing in the probably nine or ten games before he got injured. Um, but the Pogba of the rest, and, and you know the Pogba that briefly showed up when Solskjaer was interim at the beginning. But um, the Pogba of the rest of his Manchester United spell, we don't don't really miss that guy. Um, so it really depends which one shows up when he gets back fit again. Seems to be part of the issue with Pogba when he gets an injury and then comes back. It seems to take him so long to find any rhythm that it'd be like. So essentially, he's not gonna. If he comes back from what we've seen, he won't find his rhythm again until what the Euros. It's 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 very very hard to say. I mean, listen, I think United will finish second anyway, bar a, an incredible collapse, which I still think United will lose. I get the feeling United will lose league games before now at the end of the season, but I think the other teams below us probably will as well. So it's not really going to affect whether, you know, second. I think we're fine. But, um, yeah, he's been good. He's been really good those 10 games before he got injured. But, I mean, it's hard to say, really. Um, I don't I don't know. I'd be very surprised if he travelled. I've had no indication he's even close to being fit. Well, look, it's it's coming to the end of the season, and I suppose Solskjaer is willing to get players back a bit quicker. It's it's big end of the season for United. This week, I spoke about already two games. Can you imagine the reaction that if we if we somehow managed to get knocked out of both cups? Because that would that would set a real a real bad smell around the place. Because right now things are very positive. We've so much to play for. And that can change very quick. And coming back after the international break, if we didn't have a cup to play for, it's just, it, that's where I'm on about the questioning of Solskjaer. It really intensify. Um, and I, he need, he needs a big week. A big week would, I'd be delighted. Yeah, if he, if he can't get, if he can't, if, if we go, I don't even really want to contemplate it, but if we do go out of both cup competitions, you do have to ask the question of, where is the manager in relation to the dressing room? You know, it just kind of raises, it would re-raise questions that I've asked before about how how much pressure is he putting on these guys to succeed? Yeah, if if if, if they don't, like, obviously it's hard to kind of talk before these games take place because as we all know from watching United down the years, we don't do things the easy way, never have. And we have a tricky away game against AC Milan. Simply just need to go and get a positive result there. But in the FA Cup against Leicester, 
we should probably also talk about the fact that Leicester aren't a, a club that are renowned for winning trophies. And in the past few years, since they've won the Premier League, they've been performing really, really of a high standard. Ren- Brendan Rodgers doing a great, great job there. We've spoken about that quite a bit on this podcast, Mike. And and I think they're going to be going into that game also thinking that this is our shot at a trophy this season. We've been one of the best teams in England. We're coming up against one of the best teams in England. And both teams will want to see the other side knocked out. Um, it, that's going to be a very tricky tie. So I don't think I'll have any nails by the end of the week, if I'm being honest. Um, because I, I, I do fear that there could be something, a more definite view of how things are going after this week. And I think, I, I think sorry, I think the thing about both of these games we've got coming up, in both of those ties, the Milan and the Leicester one, both teams in each of those games are going to look at those ties and think, if we can knock off this team, this really opens a yeah. clearly seen path to the final, I think. Mm. Because yeah. there's no question in my mind, United and Milan are two of the best teams Maybe maybe the two best teams left in the in the Europa League competition, really. So they're going to look at it. Both teams are looking at it as this could really open a path to the final for us that we can clearly see. And it will be the same with the FA Cup game at the weekend as well. Both United and Leicester are going to look at that. I think we can knock these guys off. We've got a good run at, at winning this cup. A really good shot. Yeah, and I and I do think there will be a discussion inevitably, really. Um, if if we if we don't go through you know one of those competitions, the people will probably be start calling for Solskjaer's head, and that's why I wanted to bring up the conversation, Mike, about about Solskjaer, which broke in the mirror two days ago that he's going to be offered a new contract at Manchester United. And why me? I did a piece on this for the blog. You can check it out in the in the opinion filters um, after the show. I put a link out, but I basically looked at the news and that he's getting a new contract. And you know, as someone that. A massive admirer of, of Solskjaer and what he's done in the job so far. Obviously, we all have questions, but I think in the grand scheme of things, he's doing a really, really good job at Manchester United. But to offer him a contract now, I'm wondering, has the club not learned from its previous lessons of offering him a deal during a, during a season? Because when they offered him the permanent deal, which didn't have to do at that point, they could have waited till the end of the season. The results went bad. And really bad, crashed, and it was a dip. And now they're doing it again ahead of arguably the biggest week of the season. When I understand there's positive, lots of positivity around Solskjaer right now, there's new coaches or new roles in place, a new structure apparently, and so on. And, we're, and, they, and United probably want to show that we're, we're stepping into a new chapter and we believe in it and, and blah, blah, blah. But there's no rush, Mike. Why can't they wait till the end of the season and basically say to Solskjaer, you'll have your new shiny contract, you'll be on a higher wage at the end of the season, go win as a trophy and go secure second place. That hasn't been done yet. Why? why and all I'm asking is why, why do United need to rush? Because the people running the club are completely incompetent and don't know anything about football. Yeah, yeah, I guess, but but this is madness. They, they made this this mistake before, and I, and I think everyone at Manchester United will, will not will just agree. with Solskjaer, by the way. They made this mistake with Mourinho as well, where they gave him a massive new contract just as he was starting to blow up. But David Moyes was given a six-year contract. Six yeah, but years. At, least, at least he was given that at the beginning. This was like Mourinho was given a new contract. What two years in to a what was it a three-year deal? Mm. And he gave him a massive new contract just at the point where he started poisoning the entire dressing room. 
Um, and then Solskjaer was given a contract basically because everyone got overexcited after the, the whole thing with Paris Saint-Germain. And then United went on an absolutely dismal run of form, not just to the end of the season, but all the way through until about November or December. Yeah, I, I just don't understand the need to rush. It's not as if Solskjaer is going to be cherry-picked from one of Europe's elite in the summer. He's happy at Manchester United, I think, at the moment. I'd say oh, we're very happy with how things are going. But but it's very important also to, to, to note that that can change very, very quickly. And again, talking about the week ahead... He needs two big results. He needs two big results. Where we 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 need to show progress this season, and he he can he can go into his third year without a trophy. But that's when serious questions are going to be asked. And I remember when Jurgen Klopp was was taking over Liverpool, and he was at this point without a trophy, and I couldn't get my head over how the Liverpool more Liverpool fans one question in this. Like Manchester United need to be up to challenging. And in fairness, we've seen the progress that in his first season we improved, I think. In his second season, we did improve. And in his in now, this season, why can't we improve again? We we're we're, we're in we're in the right position to improve. Uh we improved in the what you mean his interim spell? Well, in his interim spell, when he came in, he picked things up dramatically from when Jose was in charge. I mean that that's not hard, but I'm trying to remember where United were in the league. Well, um, yeah, yeah, but he was he, that season. He was he was picking up a mess from Jose. So the, what happened the previous year and the start of the season doesn't doesn't have anything to do with him. He came in, he shored up that ship, and in the following season we did better. We improved, and this season we're we on. Did, we did we did get less points last season than we got the season before. You remember that, right? We got like three less points. But but, but that doesn't matter. That, that, I mean, I, I, it, it meant with a, a, a stronger league last season, United would not have finished in the top four. I mean, we scraped into that top four I by know, the skin I know, of our teeth. Look, look, I know, I know that. But at the same time, Mike, there, there was a time this season where we were all saying it's a crazy league. Um, City weren't even considered as being favourites at this time. And United were doing really well. And people were saying, oh... We've actually a chance of winning this league, and we did because it was a cra- it was a crazy league. Okay? People were dropping points all over at start. If we went on to win the league, people w- we wouldn't be talking about it as in oh that's the COVID season or that the results are all over the place. You can only win what's in front of you, and r- right now we are in a better position than what we were when Soldier came into the job. So we have seen. I mean, we, we, I mean, when Mourinho left, we were six, and at the end of that first season, we were six. Yes. We were, yeah, but <laughs> are you saying there was no improvement? There was obviously a massive dip in form. There was, there was an improvement for about ten or eleven games, and then the form went off a cliff, Dale. And then, and then, what you've seen then since then? Would you have seen that under Jose? I don't think so. so. The, the first half of last season, pretty much until Bruno Fernandes came in, we were quite dismal. Really, we were really poor to watch. We weren't scoring a lot of goals. We were struggling to beat teams at the bottom, like really bad. I mean, to go and lose to Newcastle United last season, that's just unforgivable, that was. That's one of the worst performances I'd ever seen. And the Burnley one at home, which was which was, um, which was was appalling as well. That was a really appalling performance. Um, it's, it's hard to gauge how much United have actually improved. If United end this season with a trophy and second place, I go, yeah, United have definitely improved. 
But if United finish second, 15 points behind City and don't win anything, then I'd say, are we really any further along than we were at the end of Mourinho's second season? I don't think we are. Yeah, I, 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 I think there's a lot of improvements. Uh, but look, all of that means nothing if we have a bad week this week and if we don't win a trophy this season. Because as, as you've kind of touched on already when you're making your point about how we've shown good form and then we just seem to kind of just throw it away. Um, that's happened a lot in the last two and a half years. And now is the time where we need to make it happen. We, we need something to show for this progress because there is progress there, but it's very, it can be hard to argue it if, if, if you're going to, if you're going to go two years or three years as a Manchester United manager without a trophy, it, it, it needs to come this year and and look there's no excuses if, if we if we crash out a boat this week absolutely none they're both they're both games that we should be winning against good teams but this Manchester United team has shown this season that look we've seen the game against City we can match anyone we can't on our day we can match teams it's just it, it, it's down to everyone keeping concentration and people not lo- losing their man on, on corners and set pieces um, Mike, you wanted to clear the stage this week to, to talk about a certain Scott McTominay, who uh, a big admirer of on the podcast, really. He, um, I wouldn't say clear the stage, just been over the top. But he, he, He's getting better and better and better. Yeah, he is. Um, I think what he needs in there with him in the midfield is someone a little bit more creative. Um, he's scored a lot more goals this season. How many goals has he got? Is it seven or eight goals he's got this year? He scored a few anyway. It's definitely his best season. Um, he's a leader in on the pitch. You can you can hear him shouting all the time because he has a suspiciously manic accent for a Scottish international. And um, yeah, he's he's he was some one of the the players in the first half of last season. One of the few players that really showed us something. Who didn't hide was was you know willing to get on the ball. Was willing to try something. He's probably not the most gifted player, um, but he brings a lot to the table for United. And I think if he can get some of the right players in there with him, he could be a big player for United going forward down the years. I know he was mentioned on a podcast he did a few months ago, possibly captain. Who knows? But we should be looking at having five or six players in the dressing room who could fill that position, not um, not just the guy that has it now who shouldn't have it. Uh, very, very happy with him, and it's nice to see one of United's uh, academy products sort of stamp his mark as being uh, a big, not just a, a good player, but just a big personality around the club. Um, I think United need that. I think United have really lacked big personalities who are willing to dig other people out and pull in the right direction for the last few years. That's not just to say he's been perfect because he hasn't. He has had a few off days this season, as I've had all of those players. Um, and he uh, needs to get a little bit more consistency into his game, as a lot of those other players do. But uh, he's someone United can move forward with. But Tomine is someone that I see a real upside in his upside to his game going forward. I'd like to see in the long run him uh, get forward a little bit more. And just, you know, some work being done with him in terms of coaching of just going to one and two touches whenever he's on the ball during the game, you know. I think a, a good player for him to aim for, someone I watch right now who's really good is someone like Leon Goretzka at Bayern, who's kind of an enforcer for them in the midfield, but also adds a lot for them, can add a little bit going forward as well. 
he's a big character around the dressing room. I think that's the kind of that's where McTominay wants to be aiming at someone like him. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think McTominay, looking at the midfielders that we've got and people saying we need to bring in others, McTominay is the one that I'd be less worried about losing his, his game time. Um, because I think United went out and signed a centre midfielder, the kind of player that we've been crying out for, Mike, that it would probably be Fred who, who, who would lose out on a starting role. Um, both players are massively influential to how far we've come this season. But I think as a duo, it's also part of the reason that Manchester United can't really push on to that next level. And that is an area that needs to be tweaked in order to reach that next level. Not slagging off Fred. I think he's been brilliant this season. Well, not brilliant. No, he hasn't been brilliant. He's been he's been an important player to United this season. He offers something. But I don't think, if again, if we want to reach that next step, that he should be a starter. I think he'd be a very, very important squad player to have, a really good option. A better option to have in your squad than, say, a past it Nemanja Matic, who's probably going to leave in the summer. So it's getting to the stage now, with Solskjaer, which has done really, really well since come in, has started sorting out this squad. I think there's less dead wood than there was previously. And what we've seen with him, slowly but surely, he's getting rid of them. He's getting rid of the likes of even, say, Jesse Linger went out on loan. So he was considered dead wood. But now look at it. Now look at the situation. He's now considered, well, can he come in now uh, and maybe play some games for United? Or can we make 20 plus million off him in the summer? That would be good business for Manchester United. Really, really good business. If we could shift him out for 20 million, because we always struggle to sell players. That's not something we do really well. So look, Sanchez left. Lukaku wanted to leave and he was causing problems. Um, Chris Smalling was a player that was on the We haven't replaced him. We haven't replaced him. We haven't replaced him. But I think that these are players that had to leave Manchester United to reach that next chapter. And if anything goes on the additions he's made, they've been absolutely fantastic. And fantastic, not just... Fantastic, fantastic, I think, is a bit far. It's, 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 but it's, it's, it's not in the way they carry themselves, Mike, because the, the, what we're talking about, even if results aren't good this season at times, we're happier as a bunch of fans. We're not looking at the players saying, oh, you're not trying. Or, you're, there might be one or two, but there's not as many as there was under Mourinho, where, where, where United fans were getting really fed up of going away and travelling, following these people, and they wouldn't even acknowledge them after games. So I tried to address that with certain players. It wasn't a light team. It was not like now with Solskjaer. At least people are there. They want to be there. They want to be there. Now, it's about improving the dressing room, better players, and, and, and really getting rid of those ones that aren't pulling their weight. Like, you look at the likes of Phil Jones. How long is he on the wage book without playing regular football? That's a complete joke. Complete joke. That's the club's fault for offering him a mass- giving him a massive contract. All these problems, the, the big problems that we're pin- pinpicking, are either problems that existed before Solskjaer or that have no, have no, no, he can do nothing about them. Dylan comes in with another question. Is McTominay better than Rice? I'm going to stick my neck out and say yes. Mike? I think they're about, I think they're about the same. Um, I didn't used to be a fan of Declan Rice, to be honest, mate, but I don't know about you. I, he's improved massively this season. Just looks like he's got a lot more going on to his game, getting forward and stuff. Um, I think they're about the same. Um, I certainly wouldn't sign Declan Rice at United because him and McTominay are kind 
kind of similar. Although I think Declan Rice tends to sit in a little bit more and 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 distribute. But no, I think I think they're about the same. And that's not a compliment or insult to either Dale, because I think they're both very very good Premier League midfield players. And I think a big reason why West Ham have been so good this season is that partnership of Rice and Suchek in the middle of the park. Um, so very very good players. Don't have to say he's one better than the other. They're both very very good. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I would pick McTominay over Declan Rice. Took I think Declan Rice is slight. Well, has been slightly overrated down the years, but I do think this year he's been he's been much better. He's it's definitely definitely he, he, on a lot more. Yeah. The, the praise that he was getting now looks warranted, but I, I thought previously that, that he was being massively overhyped. Dylan asks, consider our defensive improvements since Henders has come into the team. Should we reconsider the need for a new centre? No, Dylan, half? we should not reconsider that. No. You know, he should be targeting a centre-half as top priority. Centre-half, centre-forward, centre-midfielder. Those are the three priority areas for Manchester United. We have a few questions sent in from Facebook, which you won't have up on the feed, like the YouTube questions. So if you want to get asking, go over to YouTube or Periscope and they'll pop up on our feed. But here are some of the ones that were sent in after last night's game. Uh, Jamie Buckton, are we seeing out forms? Are we seeing our form starting to lift after a few weeks of silly draws? Six points from Man City and West Ham. Two teams in superb form. Yeah, good good results. I mean, it was very much a laboured performance yesterday. Um, I had a feeling it might be. Um, the City performance was maybe the best United performance I've seen in a big match since since Van Hal was at the club where we in, in his first season maybe we had a couple of really really good big match performances where we were running the game. But that that was the best that was the best I've seen as places done in a big match. West Ham, not a great performance. Wasn't a very good game, um, but we won. The key thing is now, as I said before, you know, they've got two other big games this week. I know Leicester aren't classed as being in the big six, but they are, really. I mean, Leicester are more worthy of being in the big six than Arsenal are, which I Sorry. don't think that we just bizarre me. So, Milan and Leicester, those are two big matches for United this week. United need to go and win. I'm sick and tired of this big six talk because... It's ridiculous. I, I just find it insulting to Leicester, who won the league more recently than Arsenal and have been in and around the top four in the last five years more than Arsenal have. It, it's, it's madness. And Leicester have been there, and there players. <laughs> and, and have won And have actually won a title in the last few years. And have got, I would argue, a better manager. Not that Artes is a bad manager, but I think Brendan Rodgers is a much better manager. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Probably the manager that I thought that Arsenal would have appointed with in the past few years at some stage because, you know, he's been showing signs. You know, the Liverpool job, he got that close to win the league title. I know he probably learned from it. Went off to Celtic, probably a bit easier there and won his titles, but it's come back to, to England, a better manager. Look, look how Celtic have done since he left. Not good. And, and as well as that, I'll raise a, raise a point that I think that the Leicester team we see today, I think that would be Leicester that will win the, win the, win the league title. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, definitely a be- it's definitely a much, much better. I think the first 11 is better. I think the squad is better as well. Michael Jordan wants to know, is Harry Maguire a Tory? <laughs> is there any reason that he's being asked that? Am I missing a joke here? No. He just, straight out, is Maguire a Tory? 
Oh, is that why he thinks I don't like him very much? Maybe. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I don't. Maybe. I don't know. I know. I do know Patrick Bamford is though. Okay. There's the Leeds one. United strike. Yeah, there you go. Patrick Bamford is, and of course, um, uh, one of my favourite sackings of recent years, Frank Lampard, is also a Tory. Was actually being considered by the party as possibly being a candidate for Parliament a couple of years ago. When he was playing. No, he's he's been retired. When did he retire now? What was his last his last spell? Was it in New York City or something like that? Yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. just after it was around the time just as he was retiring, they were he was being considered and then he didn't go for it in the end. They didn't go for it in the end. I I'm just about to check his his Wikipedia. Um let's check retire to find out how many years ago it has I didn't know that he, he was considered to run for the run for the Tories. <laughs> They were considering putting him. They were considering they want to go on the shortlist for people of prospective candidates. Yeah. Okay, so Frank Lampard retired in 2017 um, from New York City after playing for Man City. So that's how, how that one ended. Um, there's no the one more question that we could can fly through before we wrap it up. Um, any thoughts on this rumored rift between Cavani and the medical staff? Personally, I think after his father's recent comments, some in the media are trying to stir up a bit of controversy. Ali certainly seems to think he'd be ready to return on Thursday. So, Mike, do you, do you think now that the, the English media, um, they, they, can, they can try and paint Cavani any way they want now because it's already been painted incorrectly as, as a racist in the UK? Um, I've already spoke about this with it with his dad, and I can totally understand his dad's comments because. The, oh, you spoken to him? No, no, I've spoken about no, on gonna, on, on this podcast. No, I, 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 get I, him on, get him on the show. Get him on. I want his dad on. <laughs> get out of the podcast. But, but but what I was explaining was his comments were fine. Um, he he's unhappy in the UK because of what he was painted. That's not unhappiness at Manchester United, and. I, I I I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed an extra year before leaving for Boca on a free. But but do you, do you think now the media will try and stir this up that oh there's there's a rift between the medical staff? He's not fit. He's throwing his ties out of the pram. When 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 you listen to Solskjaer, I don't see any of that. Where where does this come from now? Because if they're if they're just making that stuff up, surely I mean if you're Cavani, you could you could sue them for libel, couldn't you? So where, where's this? It's coming from somewhere. Um, I mean, evidently he's not happy because of the way he, he he's been treated by the media. So he's not very happy about that. Um, I, I do. I have wondered over the last couple of weeks whether he is going to stay beyond the end of the season. I'm not sure he is. I, I'm just thinking we we could try and get on Lewis Cavani as some kind of Meghan Markle interview about oh the Manchester. That'd be so good about the Manchester United family. <laughs> What's happening in, in those in those injury rooms? Um, so yeah, look. Hopefully, hopefully we have Cavani back on Thursday night, among well, other just players. A, a quick, you were talking about obviously players, families. I think we should just say thoughts going out to um, somebody who played United for a very short space of time to Angel Di Maria and his family right yes. now. Yes, yes. Awful situation that happened with. I think it was his family, and it happened with Marquinhos as well. Literally during the game when they were playing, and he was basically he had to be subbed off at half time to go home. I think because of what happened, he suddenly were held hostage in this very violent robbery. So, yeah, Jesus, awful. I mean, that, that poor guy. I mean, that's just horrific. Look to have that happen to you twice. Uh, just mm. yeah, just awful. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's you don't want to hear any of those kind of stories, especially now when when no one should be coming into your house anyway. You know, there's there's all there's almost it's a weird time because we don't have our friends over at the moment. We don't have even our families over visiting us. But then for someone to to come and burgle your your house and violently when your when your wife is inside and your kids, um, United fans, we all have probably strong opinions on Angel Di Maria. To be honest, they all mean jack shit when it, when something like this happens. Um, I don't. I didn't particularly like Di Maria at United, but but that doesn't matter. This is horrendous, horrendous events, and 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 hopefully, hopefully they're all safe. Um, there's no injuries, and that they can get their lives back to normal soon. Because it, you can only imagine, Mike, when something like that's happened in in your house. It, it's not just a matter of going to bed, waking up and being over. That's something that is going to live long in the memory of even his saying he's got um, young girls. Yeah, and I think you cannot... Listen, while the way he left United wasn't ideal, I don't think you could underestimate... I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't be hugely surprised if he ended up leaving Paris Saint-Germain over this. I wouldn't be a huge surprise to me at all if he decided, you know what, I think I'm going to go back to Argentina, or maybe I'll go to Spain. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he left over this. We'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. But um, I, d- I do think, listen, for all the talk of what happened when he left United, I do genuinely believe that that, that uh, home invasion burglary that happened when he was when he was at United, I do think that was a big reason as to why he left. Because if you, when that happens, there is, especially if you've got a young family, if you don't feel safe or they don't feel safe at home anymore, you can't stay. Yeah, no, of course, can't stay. Um, and it, it, it's probably difficult for a lot of people like us who are growing up um, and only see one club, um, Manchester United. And when that when that's our club, or when a player leaves, we're kind of like, well, I don't understand that. But when you when you when you when you kind of throw it out like that, when you explain it that. Right, this guy's family didn't feel safe in the city. Um, yeah. in the, at the end of the day, country. for him, it's it's a job. Yeah. Just about to wrap it up. Good job because the sun's about is coming in that window and it's blinding me. Um, Mike, thanks for joining me this morning. It was one of the live streams we're going to start doing for each podcast now. And over the coming yeah. weeks, we're going to have more podcasts. I'm going to aim to do maybe three a week um, live on, on YouTube as well. So make sure you subscribe to Stretty News TV to get to get those live streams. Um, follow the Stretty Cast on Twitter. And make sure also to join us on Instagram under Stretty News. We're, just, we're posting on there under a new account and trying to gain some followers. So make sure you support us there. And Mike, finally, hopefully I'm speaking to you Friday morning after a win and some progress in the Europa League. I'm going to get a quick prediction from you, seeing as you're our Syria correspondent. I think um, I think United will, will win 2-1, just about get through. Brilliant. So I'm going to go for the same prediction, 2-1, and we'll speak to you again on Friday. Again, for those of you who have joined us live, really appreciate it, submitting questions. I'm sure the followers will grow over the coming weeks. And those of you who listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, again, just as equally appreciated. See you soon. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.